Hello, this is Patrick, and it's time for Real Herbalism Radio. Real herbs, real life, real easy. Brought to you by thepracticalherbalist.com and sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, your source for high-quality, organic, bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. Visit them at mountainroseherbs.com. If you're throwing an herbal party, there's one spicy guest you'll surely want to include, chili peppers. They bring a zesty fire even non-herbalists will love. Today, we're talking about ways to add a little chili pepper to your life. Now, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Sue, I'm so excited today because we get to talk about one of my favorite little herbs. Yes, you yes. Know. I know. It's one <laughs> you of your know. favorite little herbs. <laughs> Would this be a hot topic? It's a hot topic. I was waiting to deliver that one. Oh, you, you thought about constant. it all morning, didn't you? Yeah. All morning. <laughs> all I was like, I'm going to get my pun out early and, and often. More. You're so funny. <laughs> Well, cayenne is a favorite. Cayenne. It's got so many names. I know, right? Obviously, it's a favorite because it has many names, so it's a friend. Well, Everybody. cayenne is one specific one, but there's mm-hmm. so many chili peppers. Oh, yeah. And the thing that's neat about them is that if you taste the spiciness to them and you're looking for the medicine that chili pepper is often used for, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the name of the chili pepper or even the shape of the chili pepper is. If you can taste the spicy, you're getting the medicine you yeah. want. Right. So Very habaneros true. work just as well as jalapenos mm-hmm. or ghost peppers. Ghost, ghost peppers. peppers. Oh, God. <laughs> have you eaten those? I have not, but my son reported that he recently tried some ghost pepper sausage. Yeah. He didn't feel it was spicy at all. Until. His traveling compartner... Come, the traveling companion had steam coming out his ears. Uh-huh. It was so spicy. And there's my son. Oh, I didn't notice. I'll take three more bites. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. No problem. <laughs> My son Aaron had uh, tried some at school, at high school, and apparently mm-hmm. it is it is against the rules at that high school to bring ghost pepper to the high school. I guess really? there was some issue. Probably and he tried it like, yeah, it was pretty hot, but I was fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have loved to have had a video of that Which, one. Yeah, see the steam. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a cross. That's a hybrid, right? Do you know what it's a hybrid of? I mean, I'm, it's- I'm not sure. There are so many that are out there. There's a couple of specific species of, of cayenne or, or, you know, whatever, but there's so many varieties every year. There's new ones coming out. And even yeah. the books I've been reading, like, I'm not even going to list part of them because within a month, someone else will have developed it. It's yeah. pretty easy to, to yeah, change Yeah, there's a it. lot of hybrids. Yeah. I think that ghost peppers are in the same family as the habaneros. Mm-hmm. Most of the really spicy ones that we hear about are in that same family. Yeah. It's a small family compared to cayenne's family. Right. Yeah. But they're hot. The, the smaller the pepper, the hotter the pepper. <laughs> yeah, <I> think, <laughs> directly proportionate. I think the for the most family, part, it's yeah. like there's the genus and then for species, there's only a couple of species, but it's the varieties within yes. the species. That's what yeah. we're really seeing. Yeah. And in the cayenne family, it is. It seems like most, for the most part, the smaller they are, the hotter they are. Mm-hmm. But in the Scotch Bonnet or the Habanero family, size doesn't really size doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow, so good. Exactly, because oh. the big, huge ones, the bell peppers, the annuals, those are the same 
exact same species as the really as super the hotties. Yeah, the the bell peppers in the same family as the cayenne family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, it's a wide range there. It is, which is why you don't want to grow those peppers next to your cayennes and hope for hot cayennes. Yeah, they, they can pollinate across. Yeah, right. they cross pollinate, and you get with bell peppers that have sort of this muddy heat to them. They don't taste very good, right? Mm-hmm. And then your cayennes will be super mild, yes, lame. So it oh. won't be what you're looking for. I like, like my, that. I like my cayenne with a little punch. Yeah, you sure do. <laughs> you sure do. Well, we usually grow our cayennes in their own pots. Kind of like, the, yeah. you know, our parrot yeah. loves them. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, she didn't oh, eat them yeah. at all last year, but this year she, we give her the red pepper and she's, she's all over that. All up. Mm-hmm. And she's been introduced to the habaneros. She's very thrilled with those. Well, uh, parrots and all, all birds, they do. don't have the sensors to no. detect heat. They so, have, they have. A tiny number of those, so they can get a little bit, but they really don't detect most yeah, it's of the nothing heat. To them. Yeah. That's exactly. why people throw uh, cayenne pepper seeds in with their bird seed if the squirrels are feeding off of it. Yeah, because the squirrels, the squirrels will oh, they notice it for <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's yeah. a cruel trick, but it works. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it works. But for fun stuff for cayenne, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of recipes. It's really easy to. Oh, I love how easy it is to incorporate this medicine into my life. Yeah. I mean, you know, my favorite, my personal favorite easy everyday recipe is I stick a hot pepper, dried chili pepper in with my herbal tea every morning. And why is that, might I ask? Because you just like hot stuff, yeah. (laughs) I like it spicy. And I I hate to admit, I'm an herbalist, right? So Mm -hmm. I should love herbal teas, but I really don't. Mm. I prefer... China teas, China mm-hmm. blacks, tannics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oolongs and, you know, sure. all the Camilla family. Right. That, that's the family I like. So I drink my herbal teas because they're good for me. Mm-hmm. And I know they do good things for me. And I'm really glad that I've got them. Mm-hmm. But their flavors are really, really dull right. for me. And cayenne definitely is not dull. <laughs> cayenne is not dull. It yes. really perks it up. And for the cold months, it's nice because it also helps drive away colds and flus. True. Yeah. So and but, just a little bit is, is all you need. Right. Although, but there's a side effect of this is she gets so used to that yeah. that when she starts cooking for us or cooking, her <laughs> mouth is different than ours. And she's wow. like, well, that's not that hot. And, yeah. and, and Finn and I are, are steam out of our ears. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. By December, I'll be up to two or three peppers right. per uh-huh. cup of tea every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't let her make the chili nothing. at that point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Julia Child called uh, Cayenne the, the palate deadener. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's right. It does cause numbness. But she didn't really like cooking with it because she felt like it drowned out the other flavors. Now there are yeah, many cooks that will absolutely disagree with that. Well, I can see with that. I mean, because it does such an effect on your tongue that it would definitely you know, drown out the yeah. other flavors. But uh, some cooks use it for, you know, adding just a little bit of heat and a little bit of spice to balance the rest of their food. Mm-hmm. And other ones just seem to do it for heat. I mean, I've done, yeah. I've eaten from both places and it's. You know, I don't like the heat just for heat sake. Right. Well, right. you guys tried that. I made some pierogi with the uh, plums. Yeah. And I used the I used a goat cheese for the filling. Mm-hmm. And I added a little bit of elderberry syrup to it to give it some sweetness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I put in an equal amount of ground cinnamon and ground cayenne. Mm-hmm. And the cayenne didn't drown it out at all. No, no. The cinnamon it, it, was the dominant flavor, really. Definitely. You feel it at the back of your throat yeah. for sure. Yeah. But I mean, cayenne does have eugenol in it, which is also in clove. And mm-hmm. clove numbs the it's mouth. Numbing. It's used yeah. in dentistry, which we've talked about on earlier podcasts. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's the same thing. It does cause numbness. So it, yeah. it really is. It's a delicate balance. It is. You got to put just the right amount and know your audience. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. No. Yeah. In the, the one with the pierogi, the goat cheese has so much fat to it. Right. That helps buffer your tongue. Correct. So that the heat isn't as absorbed as much. Yeah. And the fat is also what uh, keeps it from spreading all over the place. So you yes. really do just feel it at the back of your throat. Yeah. Well, the the, the annual latte that I make for you, yes, the weekly you, latte. Now the brevet. It is a brevet today. There's actually, that's a great place where I added cayenne. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, know your cayenne, know long how, how long you've had it too. Because if you have fresh cayenne, it's going to be hotter than if you've had it around for a while. Correct. And so in there, it's like a half a pinch, just mm-hmm. the littlest of amount. And that's how you incorporate it. It adds a little bit of heat, but it doesn't overpower the vanilla or the coffee. Or, right. And you don't feel hot. You don't feel like, oh, yeah. geez, I need to. But it invigorates your mouth a bit and it yeah. kind of rounds it out a little bit too. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of the sweet drinks, I don't like going to some coffee stands because their coffee is just sweet. Oh, that's yeah. It. yeah. I feel like oh, I'm just flat. drinking a milkshake. There's no bitter. It's yeah. flat. And with yeah. some of the, like I've ordered a Mexican mocha at some of these places and it's just syrup. sugar, syrup, some cinnamon. There's yeah, no it's flat. nothing that from what I remember a Mexican mocha being, but right. that sweet plus spicy makes it really nice. Plus bitter, then you really yeah. you know your mouth is is got things to do. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the coffee palate has become their dessert drinks. Yes, and yeah. they're just that's not what I want. And, right. Uh, when I go to a coffee place, I I know that's what I'm going to get, so uh-huh. I'm not expecting it. But if you want something that's more balanced, try to make it at home. Yeah, but. You know, the, like say the cayenne is just such an easy thing to add, especially in Mexican mochas. I mean, there's nothing that makes that, you know, cinnamon, chocolatey, you know, that little bit of heat to it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. A sweet heat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're so delicious. And it yeah. can be added to uh, teas, too. It's kind of, you know. You could probably add it to one of the nicer, you know, like a green tea or something like that. Sure. I mean, or I wouldn't, but a nice <laughs> sure throat tea. It would be. Yeah, that's throat. That's what I with the herbal tea is. A lot of the herbs have a tendency to have many of the same flavor profile. Like they're working in the same scale, as it were. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, maybe different flavors between your nettles and your oats and all of that, but it's all kind of the same. I don't know how to describe it, but the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. And chili pepper gives you a pow on one side, which right. that's why I add it. Right. But I, it's also, yeah, it's nice for driving away colds and flus. Definitely. And There's a, really well. a standard uh, drink that people have when, when they have a cold, like lemon and honey yeah. you know, for a tea and mm-hmm. adding a slice of, a thin slice of ginger root. That's a really good one. Really yeah. good. And then um, either a, a a fourth of a teaspoon of just the cayenne and put that mm-hmm. in there right. or put a pepper itself in and let that sit right. and then take it out. And I think you've, right. you've done that before. Yeah. So that one, yeah. oh, it's so good for the throat. And yes. Not only that, for, like, for me, it's it starts um, draining. Yes. My yes. sinuses will yeah. start to run because of it. And yeah. that's the number one way that I, my candidate says, how, how come you're only sick for two days? I do everything to get my sinuses to run. Yeah. And, yeah. and purging that, you know, and that the chili pepper make it easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's in the fire ciders, traditional fire ciders and the master cleanses because it's yeah. just so good for circulation and your moving. body reacts, you know. Uh, yeah. It really, yeah. 
He really says, hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. There's no denying the herbal actions of chili pepper. Yes. No denying. <laughs> and, and things like cocktails. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's- You've got an awesome blend, don't you? Well, I, I have one that I've been throwing into a couple of other different formulas. Formulas. <laughs> See how I'm talking? <laughs> Recipes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's just you take like a 32 ounces of tequila and then you add two ch- uh, chili peppers, cayenne peppers. And then half of a uh, fresh lime, and then you slice up the fresh lime with the peel on it and the seeds in there, everything, nice. and put that in the tequila. And then after it's been sitting there no more than two days, right. then you strain it out. Because if you sit there for more than two days, the bitterness of that pepper is going to come, come out. out. Yeah. Now, yeah. are you using dried cayennes or? I'm using dried cayennes because that's, I have a bunch of. Yeah. If you don't cayennes. have, because a lot of us, when we go to the, to the stores, like the regular groceries, you don't always find whole cayenne peppers. That's true. Right. Serenos are really easy to find in the fresh section, mm-hmm. serenos and jalapenos. Would those two, either of oh, those sure. work? Yeah. And so. in that case, then I would chop them. Yeah. That makes sense. At least sense. in the little circular discs. But with yeah. dried, you know, it's already so thin already. Yeah, yeah. So throw that in there. And uh, I don't mind the seeds. The seeds, are they're very potent. That right. There's a lot of cayenne. Yeah, the pith in the seed, is it? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, with, with um, jalapeno, though, it can be very. You know, so I would say Sereno because yeah. it's more of a consistent mm-hmm. heat if you don't have the cayenne. Yeah, right. Yeah, I like Serenos for the consistency. But not everybody has great markets like we do i mean we have a lot of people who've moved here from mexico yeah so Mm -hmm. our you know our grocery stores have a lot of good variety good variety i mean i can get habaneros at the grocery easily oh yeah well and then our mercados have some really cool chilies too yeah yeah (laughs) yes yeah i just tried the little chili i don't know how to pronounce it pique p-i-q-u-e pique Pique, i think piques Oh, those are so great. Those They're are my delicious. favorite, new favorite for my herbal teas because mm-hmm. they had them at the Mercado and a little dried. I'm like, all right. They're also really They're great cute. in salsas. Yeah. Taco sauces. I mean, mm-hmm. all you need for a good taco sauce is, is the pepper that you like, some vinegar, a few spices in a blender. Yeah, you know? exactly. And there right? you go. Right. You know, it's just, oh. So easy to put it together. Right. Yeah. I know it's a little more complicated than that, but that's, right. those are basic equipment. And oh, it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. So delicious. What? No Ortega so seasoning packet? <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> There's another way to go? There, oh, yeah. yeah. My, my mom, when I was a kid, used to buy this chili seasoning packet. I can't remember. It was like Carol's Shelby or something like that. Oh, and a little wow. hat and right. oh, Texas gosh. boots. And, <laughs> oh, my god! It was really good. It made good chili, though. I mean, uh-huh. right? So my job was to make the chili, and I'd use the seasoning packets, and... I would taste the mixes. Uh-huh. And when I went off to college, I was like, I can't, I couldn't find Carol Shelby's at the particular grocery store that was within walking distance mm-hmm. of my place. It was a tiny grocery, but I could find chili pepper, just ground chili pepper. So I started using that and I realized that Carol Shelby's mix was pretty much all chili pepper <laughs> with a <laughs> tiny bit of, gar- of garlic in there. Right. And I was like, wow, that's You're super easy. for the package. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I did not like chili at all. Oh, really? Until I had Candace's chili. <laughs> oh, and then you had no choice. And yeah. I think the first chili she made was a Carol Shelby chili. And mm-hmm. Well, it was that style. And I, and I, and I didn't know. I was like, this is really great. Because to be honest, I mean, you went to school here in northern Minnesota. 
No. Chili was more of a <laughs> tomatoey stew. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. If you were lucky, the sauce. chili peppers you know, they added were a couple of wet. bell peppers. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, and so when I had her chili, it was thick and uh-huh. spicy, and I could put on a tortilla chip, and it was like, was where have you been all deep my life? Rich- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be that deep, rich, dark red. Yeah, It was funny, so. a little side story. We made, uh, it was a birthday thing for Finn or a, all the relatives came over, and this was in the kind of late fall in Minnesota, so it was cool. Candace made three crock pots of chili, you know, mild, medium, and hot. Well, that's what we thought anyway. All of my relatives were complaining the entire time because the mild was too hot. Oh. And my dad and mom were like, oh, nobody can eat this. No one, no one. And I said, hey, wait a second. We didn't have any leftovers. Uh-huh. Yeah, there were no <laughs> right. leftovers. Three crocs of chili, and they were all gone. gone. So right. somebody ate them. Yeah. You know, so it's a, a whole tolerance again. But yeah. yeah. I've never lived that down, though. Your dad still brings that <laughs> oh, up I know. every time. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's I know. family. I know. <laughs> They're, you know, chili peppers have been around for a long time, and they're a new world been. plant, but it was one yeah. of the first ones that Columbus brought over. He was all excited about it. He was the one that that gave it the <laughs> terrible name of pepper because he thought it was like a peppercorn. Yeah, yeah. he was so botanically talk causing, intelligent. Talk about causing some serious confusion. <laughs> you know? Oh, Columbus. But not even the same family. <laughs> yeah. He just was like, well, that's what I came to find because peppercorns were so expensive and they yeah. added flavor to God knows what they were eating back then. And uh, he found these delicious peppers growing in the Caribbean mm-hmm. islands and and they've been around ever since. And now, you know, Thai pepper, is it really from Thailand? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Every chili pepper is right. ultimately from South or Central America. That's what, like, <laughs> That's Chinese really what pepper. It. It's but not yeah. from China. No. It wasn't at all. It's, it's yeah, it's a yeah. hybrid that's been now, I think, produced or that, that it was hybridized it there. Been, yeah. But but at the it, time, it was, at the yeah. time, it was some like Northern European botanists went, oh, this is a Chinese pepper. And yeah, that word so, just huh. stuck. It's stuck, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's okay. It's delicious no matter what. Mm-hmm. I really, I love having it in our lives. Yeah. yeah, I love how easy it is to incorporate it into your food regularly. And you don't yeah. even, I mean, you don't have to go for the super hot stuff like I like. I mean, right, and, right. And honestly, I've known people, a friend of ours way back when, who he put me to shame how hot he liked it. Oh, you know, right. So you don't you don't have to though. You can go for the lighter stuff like the poblanos and the Anaheims. Mm-hmm. They've got a little bit of bite, but it's not that bad. Yeah, and they're and just they're so just, beautiful too. Yeah, I mean they're gorgeous. The uh, ristras that you see hanging in the farmers markets. Oh with yeah. The, they're pretty simple They're to so make. They're so easy really. to make. You just take a length of cord of like kitchen twine. I I just use quick kitchen twine or mm-hmm. hemp cord. Mm-hmm. And you get your chili peppers and just try to find ones that have the longer stems. Mm-hmm. You tie a knot around the first one and then you go up maybe an inch and tie a knot around the next one and, and you know, space them off like an inch or half inch or so. And then when they're dried throughout the year, you can take your kitchen snips and cut off the bottom one or two that you need for your current meal, yeah. break off the stem that still has a tie on it. Since you used a cotton or a hemp, you can chuck that whole thing into the sure. compost Fish. and use the rest of the dried thing, the rest of the dried chili pepper for your meal. And, yeah. You know, it's fun, fun project for kids. For little kids, yeah. for sure. And I know the the more traditional ristras are a little more complicated than yeah. that you're doing these bunches, but 
Those are yeah. also like two to three foot yeah. long. I don't go through that many. <laughs> and I had uh, some of my own peppers I was growing, and they, they had, the stems weren't long enough for right. that. So yeah. I just sewed yep. a needle and thread and just yeah. kind of yeah, spaced them out that, that way. And, and that was simple. And That works know, really well too, yeah. Yeah, again, for kids that are safe with a needle and thread, that's an that's easy, easy thing way. for them too. And that's yeah. kind of cool. And also my mom did this uh, – for a while where she had a couple of little chili peppers, the very smaller ones, because she's an artist that didn't pass into me apparently. <laughs> and she would tie them with a little piece of the um, corn uh, husk. Mm-hmm. And yeah. th- uh, they were little tiny Christmas ornaments. Oh, cute. I know. Super adorable. <laughs> very pretty. <laughs> yeah. So it was a little bit of red against the green. Nice. And, yeah. and then it's a it's an ornament you can eat later. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You can throw that whole thing into tea, actually, because the corn silk and the corn husk have good medicine, sure. too. Yeah. Yeah. Good for your, <laughs> yeah. your urinary tract, too. Yeah. New tradition. Yeah. Christmas tea. Yeah. With chilies yeah. from the tree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To help digest that heavy meal. You heavy meal. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Right. Well, the nice thing about chili too is you can infuse so easily with it, whether it's a chili vinegar mm. or chili oil. Oh, yes. For your cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, syrup. Salad syrup. Dressing. Having a sweet, uh, sweet syrup, especially for coffees or other drinks that you want to have. Um, spicy pancakes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Infused wines. Infused mm-hmm. wines. Cool. So there are so many ways to add it in such a non-evasive way for you as a cook, if you want, or using that herb or using chili. It's so easy to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really good for you. Yeah. The health the benefits other. are amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is a it is a catalyst that it works on your body to to allow you to absorb more of the other nutrition from your food. So yeah. you can always justify like you as if you need justification, <laughs> Candace. I don't need to justify <laughs> it, but I do need to justify it to everybody else as there's steam pouring out of their ears and I'm trying to tell them, No, this is good for you. Yeah. But at barbecues, you know, it's in yeah. barbecue sauce, just throwing a little bit of butter and salt with some cayenne mm-hmm. in there on your corn and the cobs mm-hmm. or yep. stuff like that. Yep, so that. delicious. Yep, lime so and chili and that. Mm-hmm. It's also good on your rubs for barbecue. So whether it's beef or pork, even chicken, you put a little bit in there along with your paprika and other things and it just adds that little bit of heat. Yeah. But not mm-hmm. overpowering. And yeah. for people that are, are still trying to experiment and they're trying to work their palate up, mixing it half in uh, cayenne powder with paprika That's a good is one, a yeah. nice kind of a way to start off because you yeah. still have some of that flavor and the softness that'll kind of mitigate yeah. a little bit of that cayenne. That's a pretty yeah. simple, simple thing. So, uh, well, for more information, links, and resources we mentioned on this program, check out our show notes on realherbalismradio.com and make sure that you sign up for our free newsletter, which includes links to recipes, how tos, and our upcoming ebook on chili pepper as well. There is detailed information on the topics that we discussed on this podcast as we publish them on the practicalherbalist.com. Now, you be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Pinterest, and join us in our conversations on Twitter. Now it's time for Herbalism and Homesteading News. Today, I've got a fun one for you guys. It's on blueberries. Yummy. They are one of my favorite fruits. So NPR has an a, a, 
column or a, a thing called the salt, what's on your table. Mm-hmm. And so they air stories regularly. This particular story is called How New Jersey Tamed the Wild Blueberry for Global Production. It was aired on August 4th, 2015, and it was by Dan Charles. What I loved about this story is it talked about the history of the blueberry as we know it in America, which is the high bush blueberry, mm-hmm. and the fact that, that was, that's only been around for about 100 years. Right, yeah. And, and it's, just, it's growing so prolifically and, and has spread it all is. over the place. So where was that place? White Pine, is that what you said? Is, that's not here on the West Coast. No, no that's over in New Jersey. New and Jersey? it's White's Bog. Oh, White's White. Bog, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's a charming name, isn't it? Yes, delightful <laughs> one. Yeah. So, yeah, they had, uh, way back then, 100 years ago, there was a Quaker family that lived there, and they grew cranberries, and they... One of the daughters, the oldest daughter, was through, you know, you can read the story, you get the like better details than I'm saying, but mm-hmm. she ended up hearing about how blueberries grow and, and got the idea to start doing some hybrid, hybrid hybridization mm-hmm. of the low bush blueberries. And right. I'm not sure where she got the other cultivars, but they ended up growing blueberries in tall bushes crossbreeding crossbreeding yeah yeah boy and the difference between trying to collect a blueberry from a high bush and the low bush yeah i remember when i was a kid going over to those high bush ones and i put my hands up Mm -hmm. and hold the basket like at my waist and just kind of like move my fingers through the branch and just like petting the brain it was so easy as opposed to harvesting strawberries which is back breaking and you always have sunburns and oh Oh, yeah well not only that but the size of the berry those little bushes i mean we're talking you know less than a pea size so you were picking for well when i was a kid it felt like days to get any kind of quantity yes (laughs) right you know these are the size of marbles yeah they're huge right i was picking this summer with a friend of mine we we have a blueberry bush high bush style Mm -hmm. blueberry farm just down the road from us i can walk to it Mm -hmm. so my friend and i went over there and we were picking and she's from maine so she was telling me about how she grew up picking the low bush variety because it grows wild ish in her area or her childhood area and how the blueberries are really different in that they're much smaller and they have a more tart flavor, mm-hmm. which she says stands up much better to baking and pies and that sort of thing right. than the high, the plumper, high, sweet, high bush which variety. Which turns to syrup in the, in right. the uh, pie. But it's so good for it's fresh so eating. Oh, yeah. my God. And turn it into smoothies. Yes. And yes. so much easier that when you freeze it, you put you down your cookie sheet and you put your wax paper down there. Mm-hmm. You throw those blueberries on there and a nice even layer freeze it plunk you know pull up the wax paper when it's done and just funnel that right into your bag there you go right super right. simple and of course we use blueberries medicinally as well right you know that's really good for your blood sugar it's really good for your eyes and we do have here in oregon other vaccinium species that's mm-hmm. like the uh huckleberries is the one i'm thinking of right now which is oh, related yeah. and also right. very delicious but it, nothing compares to a blueberry. Right. So, and blueberries and bilberries. When you start looking up like the magical properties and looking at the traditions that that are around blueberries, mm-hmm. we don't have a ton about the high bush blueberry. Correct. Be, because in you know, truth, it's only 100 years old. Right. But we do see a lot more, especially when you look at European um, paganism and European herbal traditions, hedge mm-hmm. witchery, that sort of thing, bilberries show up. Right. 
bilberries are the same species as low bush highberry bill they're high bleh, low bush blueberries they're very that- very similar in species exact same genus mm-hmm. a lot also in in research it's the germans that have put so much research into ba- the uh, vaccinium the bilberry itself because that's right. what grows around there right yeah so it's but the- there's very little difference between a bilberry and a, a blueberry at least you know, as, far as far as the research as, is yeah, concerned. Yeah, the antioxidants is all the same. It's The flavor is very difficult to discern, the, the difference in flavor. And as far as using it for eyes, as far as using it for blood sugar, like the leaves primarily is what's right. used for blood sugar, but pretty much the same. Yeah. You just have yeah. more research because that's where the, the German funding went into is on the on the bilberry. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as the spiritual part is concerned and the connection with the plant energy, I don't know because I've never had the opportunity to really connect with either a low bush blueberry or with the bilberries from Europe. Yeah. So, But it, I do love the high bush ones. Yeah. And it's really cool to know about where all that came from, the, the high bush that I personally have grown in my yard mm-hmm. that... You know, when I, I notice that it gets a little, it gets in trouble once in a while, I'll just get some pine branches and strip off the yep. pine needles and put that on there to kind of bring the acid soil back up to Right, to and they were, they were originally bred in a pine field. Mm-hmm. That was, That's yeah. what they like, yeah, yep. that high yep. acid soil. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a delightful article. I definitely encourage everyone to either tune in onto the NPR site and listen to the article. It's a short one or read it. It's really mm-hmm. Eat more blueberries, people. Delicious. (laughs) Herbalism 101. This is part of the show where Sue and Candace answer a listener question or teach you about an herbal definition or term covering basic to advanced herbal knowledge. If you would like the dirt on herbs, herbalism, or anything else related, you can send your question using our simple contact form at realherbalismradio.com slash herbalism101. If we choose your question for the show, we will send you a free PDF ebook, Natural Nutrition by The Practical Herbalist, currently available for $4.99 at The Practical Herbalist store. Here's Candace and Sue to discuss this show's Herbalism 101 topic. Today's question comes from Elena. Elena asks, what is the difference between animal protein and the protein from veg- from a vegetarian source? Why this rush for proteins? Well, back in 1971, this wonderful little book called Diet for a Small Planet came out. And that was really the book that uh, restarted, reignited in America the um, vegetarian diet. Now, back in uh, when Quakers were... Um, the big deal in, in colonial America, the vegetarian diet was, you know, very much all, all the rage. And now with our more, um, there's a lot more people on the planet and it makes more sense financially for people to have a vegetarian diet. But there's still this myth out there that was really perpetuated by this wonderful little book. And subsequent editions of the book Diet for a Small Planet has corrected that myth. And the myth was basically there is there are incomplete proteins if you eat food from plant sources, then you're not going to get all of the essential amino acids that you need. That's not true. Right. But (laughs) there are studies that call some of those proteins incomplete, right? Yeah. Which which is language that makes it sound like you can't get a complete protein from vegetable vegetables, but that's not true. That's not true. It's just the, the terminology that's used in the scientific circles that 
causes right, which is, it adds to the cloudiness. It adds to confusion. And in yeah. fact, there in two thousand two thousand one, in this is a very highly esteemed committee. It's the nutritional committee of sorry, the nutrition committee of the American Heart Association, and they wrote, and I quote here. Although plant proteins form a large part of human diet, most are deficient in one or more essential amino acids and are therefore regarded as incomplete proteins. Not true. Well, that is and, simply not true. And if, if, like, for instance, if beans were missing some amino acid, but nettle had it and you had nettle and beans together, you would have complete protein anyway. Except that they don't. If you want, mm-hmm. if you want a, a, a goodly amount of essential, uh, essential amino acids, then you just need to have the right amount of calories in your diet. Right. That's, that's right. all there is to it. So right. this concept of incomplete proteins and that you have to do food binding and whatever, right. you know, it's, I'm sorry, that's just, that is a myth that I myself believed until very recently, until <laughs> I did some stuff. And it's, it's the myth has been dispelled right. years ago. And I, as a vegetarian, really should have known better. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I'm kind of thinking back in the conversations that I've had with people, yeah, combine rice and beans and going, Oh, sorry, guys. That was that was inaccurate. So when it comes down to it, there isn't a great deal of difference between animal and vegetarian protein sources. One has more fat than the other. Right. One has more fat than the other. And for certain people with certain constitutions, animal proteins may be easier to digest than vegetable mm-hmm. proteins. Likewise, for other constitutions, vegetarian proteins are much easier to digest. Mm-hmm. And sitting right here at this table, we actually have one on each side of yeah, that. We got fence. a good diversity here. Yeah. Yeah. And the bottom line is you need a diverse diet. Yes. That's, yes. That's and even, <laughs> even if, even if you're like me and you need animal proteins, there mm-hmm. are certain times of the month where I need, I need to have some. I don't need a lot. Right. It's a small amount, like four to six ounces on. Each of those five days right. is the maximum I really need. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the month, it's it's an equal balance between vegetable matter and animal matter mm-hmm. for my protein source. So the animal can go down considerably and I'm really healthy. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. So the, the research points to, and people have been vegetarian for years in India, yes. for example, the vegetarian diet is pretty mm-hmm. much the way that you do it and and well we've had culture lot living and thriving in india for right, <laughs> right. yeah and it, it is so again it works. yeah again it comes down to individual constitutions and when there's a need for meat or animal proteins mm-hmm. it's usually a very small amount that right. you need very small not right. not the american diet style of mm-hmm. non-vegetarianism right and an answer specifically to the question uh, incomplete proteins, complete myth. Why is there uh, this myth out there? Probably because of people like me mm-hmm. that uh, <laughs> perpetuated this old stuff right. back when I was reading that 1971 yeah. version of it. So, yeah. so people like me need to up our information and and speak out what's what's real. It's just eat a good, diverse diet. You'll be fine. Right. And I'm guessing the rush for proteins has probably got something to do with this whole paleo diet. Oh gosh, fad yes. that's been around, which is a very yeah. heavy on proteins. And I don't, I don't know enough about the paleo diet to know whether they're That's specific <laughs> to only to animal proteins or if it's just heavy on protein in general mm-hmm. or not. But as people start to strip carbohydrates out of their diet, they do need to get their calories somewhere, and proteins mm-hmm. pack a lot more calories than some of the other vitamins and minerals. Right. So. Right. Yeah. And and the fact of the matter is, all plants have carbs. Yes. That's how they survive as a plant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, paleo diet is something else. That's another conversation. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Real Herbalism Radio. Your hosts have been Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. To find more information and recipes from today's show or to leave a comment or suggestion, visit us online at realherbalismradio.com. If you're feeling social, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thepracticalherbalist. Don't forget to look up our ebooks and herbal folios at amazon.com. Use the search terms Practical Herbalist. This show has been sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, purveyors of high-quality organic bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. You can visit them at mountainroseherbs.com. If you'd like to sponsor Real Herbalism Radio, just contact us through our website at realherbalismradio.com slash contact. Until next time, this is Patrick with Real Herbalism Radio and The Practical Herbalist.